Hey, Chicago West, welcome back for another episode of Digging Deeper. I'm Danielle Kelly with Angela Pryor, and we are going to discuss last sermon, sermon, last Sunday's sermon. <laughs> there was a lot of S's in that, y'all. Uh, called Martyrs for Christ by Pastor John, and it was from Mark chapter 6, verse 14 to 29, and it touched on Matthew chapter 11, verse 2 through 11 and we are revisiting john the baptist yeah. and i think what i'm going to do this just came to me is link the first digging deeper in the very first sermon from the series okay. because the first sermon of mark talks about john the baptist okay. and i remember we kind of alluded to this moment in his life where we're really going to get a chance to dig deeper into it so angie can you open us up in prayer yes father we just thank you uh, for another episode of Digging Deeper, God, we pray, Father God, that we that's what we'll, we would do. We would truly dig deeper, Lord. I pray, Father God, that you just open our hearts, open our minds up to the scripture as we do this in real time, Lord. We pray that you would, would be glorified even through what we say, oh God. So I do pray that we would decrease, that you would increase, Lord God, and get all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. So, this sermon is a hard one. Yeah. It's a hard one. Uh, I think it's hard for a lot of reasons. The, um, John the Baptist died, and the way that he died was very tragic. Very. But I think that it was also hard because it put the mirror up for all of us to to really ask ourselves the question. Are we willing to be a martyr for Christ? Whatever, are we willing to uh, follow him when things don't go well for us? Um, and are we willing to stand for righteousness in a wicked generation and time? Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And he shared in the beginning about Christians. He named three Christians throughout the world um, who are, I think, I want to just, I wasn't going to do this, but I think it's worth stopping and mentioning like i know um, you haven't obviously watched the sermon you should go back and watch it but um angie why don't you talk about ishmael okay and then um i can do sergi is okay. and then you want to do agnes yeah so ishmael is from dar darfur sudan his wife warned him if he didn't denounce his christian faith that she divorced him can you remember the website that these came from? It was an app called Global Christian Relief. And I believe Pastor John said sometimes they've had to change their name because of security reasons. Yeah. But you can look that app up. These are real people, y'all. This is not like a made-up story. Real right. People. His wife's older brother called him an infidel. And he was told, if you come back to town, we will kill you. Ishmael dealt with great loneliness. He, he deals with great loneliness and lives in fear of being attacked or killed because of his faith in Jesus. His faith in Jesus. Yeah. And then there's Sergi, who is a Ukrainian pastor, and he says all the Protestant churches in the city were either taken over by rebels or forced to clo close. The, Russians forced, the Russian forces have repeatedly forced them to shut down church services, threaten the congregants with arrest and physical harm, torture, and 26 Christian leaders have been killed since the fighting began in February 2022. 490 religious buildings have been destroyed. 
churches, schools, organizations, theological schools, and et cetera. Yeah. And then we have Agnes, who is from, how do you say that? Anguana? Anguangaya, Nigeria. Um, she's a 20, she's 21, 24 years old. Her and her four-year-old son heard gunshots at 9 p.m. And he had as Fulani? Fulani Muslim militants um, invaded her village and killing Christians. Agnes and her son were attacked with machetes and left for, for dead, but they survived. Wow. And yeah. I think that it was worth um, highlighting our brothers and sisters yeah. that are um, suffering. And I think that, you know, to be frank, one of the, before we even jump into his points, I think that Americans were just so entitled, entitled and spoiled and um you don't know truly what it is like to suffer now i will say like there are some people pastor john had mentioned like people in our church there are some people in our church that have come their parent their first generation american yeah and we have witnessed people being like completely ostracized yes. Yes. from their family so it does happen here but we we have so much freedom here um we don't even realize it and i think that reading real life the real life stories of what people, the cost of following yeah. Christ um, is so essential. And there's a, a a man from our, he doesn't go to our church anymore because he's a missionary in Africa in a closed country um, where John and I get updates from him. And it's so um, real to me, the struggles that he goes through, but particularly where people convert, it's a predominantly Muslim country um, the price that they pay. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I, I felt like we need to stop and meditate on that and think about that. Yeah. Cause it's real. And a lot of times because we don't see it day to day, we can't, we don't understand it because we don't see it. But then when we see it in the word, it's still not so real to us, mm -hmm. but to see people in 2023, going through this yeah is uh yeah we need that we need that wake-up call yeah and i do think that america like particularly in the united states is going to our time is coming it's not about like if i just think it's a matter of oh yeah when, um, oh yeah our time of suffering is gonna hit yeah um yeah so let's let's jump into this so we're at the point of the story um where we find out about John the Baptist diet. Mm -hmm. And um, Angie, why don't you go ahead and read um, Mark chapter 6, verse 14 through 20, and then we'll jump into our first point. Okay. King Herod heard of it. For Jesus' uh, name had become none. Some said John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others say he is Elijah. And others said he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him 
and wanted to put him to death. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him glad. Wow. I know there's so much in this. So Pastor John's first point in this sermon was standing. The title was Martyrs for Christ. And he said, standing for righteousness in the public square will cost you. So here we see John the Baptist is in prison. And I loved how he talked about like he wasn't in prison because he was preaching the gospel. Right. That wasn't the reason he was in prison because he stood against the immoral, um, the immorality. Is that the right word? Yeah. Yeah. And the sin in Herod's life. And then, oh, I wanted to point, he said, the reason that we emphasize character when it comes to uh, leadership is because we underestimate humanity's ability to send when given power. And it made me think about Pastor Kit Sermon um, last week. Yeah. He talked about power, solo leadership yeah, and yeah. what power can do, how it corrupts. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I want to read, um, actually, Angie, can you read 2 Timothy 3, 2 and 5? Because this is a scripture that he mentioned in his sermon. And I was like, Lord, this is the day we live in right here. Okay. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, Brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying his power, avoid such people. Wow. And there is so much. That's like a whole sermon within itself. Yeah. But one of the questions that I want to ask is what, you know, John the Baptist he spoke up about the lifestyle that Herod and Herodias were in, and it cost him um, being in prison. And then we'll read, it cost them his life. Um, when you think about these different people and their characteristics that are named in Second Timothy, um, how does it impact your ability to share the gospel when you encounter someone who's a lover of self, lover of money, proud, arrogant, et cetera? I think I think as Christians we had to um we had to abide like we have to constantly uh be reminded of who we are because we are ambassadors of Christ yeah. we are a call the bible says that we are salt of the earth right. and the light of the world yeah. so we cannot be salt if we not abiding in in John the Baptist he was able to do that because he knew who he was mm -hmm. and he knew his purpose. Yeah, he did. He knew his purpose. Like, he, he, didn't, he did not care. He didn't. Like, he was like, I say, John the Baptist was a gangster. Oh, my gosh, Angie, I want to stop speaking the same thing. I was like, yo, he was a strange He was straight to the, to the religious leaders and called them out. out. He warned you to flee. Like, yes. I'm like, okay. All right. 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 So, so so in order for us to be that confident in Christ and call stuff out like Paul did, Paul called out stuff. Oh, order, Paul is another genius. Yes. In order for us to do that in in this world, we have to be reminded of who we are. We have to be in his word and we have to be led by the spirit. 
yes. we got to be led by the spirit. So listen, I like, it ain't no secret sauce. It, it ain't nothing secret that we have to do. It ain't like, oh, this person do this. We just got to be in, in God and in his word. Yeah. You know what I was thinking of when we were talking, Angie, is yes. In adding to what you were saying is mm-hmm. these things can't be within us mm-hmm. because this can impact our ability to share the gospel or stand on righteousness when you are a lover of self, when you are a lover of money, when you're unholy, unheartless, not um, brutal, without self-control, tetris, tetris, treacherous. We're not playing Tetris. <laughs> uh, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Like this is definitely another mirror moment of, is this in me? Is this hindering me from even understanding what is pure? What is righteous? What is holy? Mm-hmm. You know? But the fact, of, the fact of the matter is, is that God does use us still if we have those things because he's dealing with us. Like, so that's why I say that we have to spend time with God, because if you in his presence, he's going to point those things out. He is. It's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The Holy Spirit will guide you in all truth. He's going to use us. He's going to use us as we walk through the sanctification process. Because I think about Paul. Like, Paul. Oh, my gosh. Paul had issues. What was it with with Mark? Oh, Barnabas. Was it? It was one or it was an act. He had issues, but at the end, almost at the end of his ministry, they reconciled. It was either Mark or Barnabas or... They got split. split. Yeah, it was Mark. Mark was like, I want to go home. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, wait a minute, you made a commitment. You made a commitment, yes. And so they got split up and went different ways. And we know that that was for the glory of God, but it, it also shows us that God still uses us, even if we're, even if we still have these things. Because how else can we? Because we all. Still- well, you know what? I think that even with um, obviously John the Baptist was like a very holy man. But even when Pastor John, <laughs> he talked about, we'll get to in a moment. Where like the Pharisees, some of them were coming for baptism, and he's like, who? What you doing here? When that's was when he, he was re- preaching the message of like repent, I, I'm gonna prepare the way for the Lord. And when they were coming and respond to that message, he's like, hold up, you know what you doing here? So I thought that was obviously um, John the Baptist was not a perfect man, and that showed his humanity <laughs> of like, yo, you really did it. Like, who, where, who, what you doing, Sting? Why are you here? Yeah, he did call him a he snake. Did. He oh did. So we'll get to that. And, you know, so back to the reason why um, John the Baptist was in prison is he actually talked about God's design for marriage. Oh. I just want to park here because I was talking to Angie before this um, digging deeper, how when we started digging deeper, one of the fears, and I'm being super transparent, um, was, oh my gosh, our society is it going such a different way from the word of God. And a lot of Christians are co-signing it. And as I talk about God's design for marriage and holiness and sexuality at any point on here, I had this fear of a backlash. I had fear of like, oh my gosh, the elders are gonna get them a message um, about it. Just honestly, fear of men. And I thought, 
I thought about this. So let's just talk about this one point. He said, John had repeatedly um, was declaring the truth to Harold. This wasn't just like one thing he said. He was repeatedly saying this is the truth. And he said, we're living in a day when Christians are terrified and afraid of offending people and we call it love. Pastors who preach care more about church attendance than gospel faithfulness. And he said the gospel message and ways of the kingdom are attractive and offensive. Oh. And if you remove the offense of the gospel, you you lose the gospel. And I think about how we have a lot of a lot of false gospels are another gospel being preached that's not the true gospel yeah. because of this. So I I so for me, one of the things that I realized doing digging deeper was that I had to be like, do I fear God more than people? Do I fear, like, am I going to stand on truth? And it's it's more than like what people, like the big hot issue right now in our society is ma like marriage, uh, what biblical marriage and that being between a man and a woman, that right there offends tons of people. Yeah, yeah. The other thing is like, the LGBTQ community and um, affirming um, identity outside of who God has designed someone to be. Mm -hmm. And I'm realizing that I cannot be afraid of cancel culture because at the end of the day, I'm going to stand before the Lord. Mm -hmm. And that's not helping people who are in that community that need to know Jesus mm -hmm. and need to know like, just like it, hear me out. Just like someone who's heterosexual sleeping around, like I think that because we're not giving the full gospel, the true gospel, people don't really understand what true salvation is. People don't understand that whether you're gang, straight, um, transgender, whatever, that there is when you come to Christ, there's a dying of self. There is a a leaving behind, a parting from who you once were, you once were dead and alive. And I don't think that we fully give that to people because we're like, Jesus loves you. Yes, he does, but he also calls us to die to ourselves and bear up our cross. Mm -hmm. So for me, what was really challenging, again, hearing this was, I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, again, are you willing to, to, to deal with the consequences or, by John the Baptist, are you willing to be ostracized in society for standing on what I say is true, period? Whether it's about marriage, whether it's about um, sexuality, whether it's about alcohol, like alcohol is not, clearly the Bible says like, don't be drunk with wine, but there's so many, our society, even in our church, in our churches, not even in Chicago West, there is this culture of like, drunkenness mm -hmm. that is out there it's like am i just going to be silent about those things you know those are the things that came to my mind yeah. what about you angie what are, as you heard this part of john being in prison for really just standing on um god's design for marriage just standing flat out like here's here's the way that we should live our lives where is the area where you feel challenged you to stand for? When, I, when he said that, I was just thinking, like, there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. Because, like, in, in, in John the Baptist's day, in Jesus' day, they was <laughs> dealing with the same 
seems like the same issues that we're dealing with. And now, like, of, of course, I thought about the LGBTQ community when he said that, because it's like, like they are coming for Christians. It's like they are trying to shut our mouth when it comes to the word of God and what it what it truly says. Yeah. What it truly says. So like that's what I thought about. And I don't like I don't um I don't struggle with like saying it because you know I, I I just don't. I mean it's in the word it's in the word of God. I don't struggle with um praying praying against it. Because I know it's it's an attack on identity. Yeah. It is a straight attack on identity. Period. Yeah, it is. Period. That's like that's 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 the, the enemy's uh tactic. That's the principality. Just letting people letting people think they something that they not. Yeah. I, I was born this way, but I feel this way. That's an attack on the the whole identity who we are and who we have been all of us are created in the image of god all of us but the enemy want to say no you're not no you're not no you're not yeah and i think the other thing too i had shared this um two weeks ago during a leadership huddle it's not my saying i was having a conversation with somebody and they were talking about how like the church doesn't offer a better community for people mm-hmm. who are struggling, um, who are in the LGBT community. Like, I think what happens a lot we, in that conversation, we're talking about how the issue, particularly that is like the only issue that Christians address, but they won't a- address the other sinful things that are running rampant in the church life, you know? Um, but it also is, um, are we offering a better community, a truthful community, but mm-hmm. a community where if someone is struggling yeah. with that, where they can they can still come and receive love, but also just like anybody else who's in sin, we love her like discipled in, into the way of the truth. Um, which again, even saying truth is something that's truth is relative in our society. Like your truth is your truth and what is really true, you know? Um, so that's something too that I, I'm like, okay, how do I stand? But how do I um, not be hateful in the stance? I don't yeah. even know if this that makes, because I think that there is a way where Christians are being, are being hateful. I don't, I didn't see there John the Baptist. I think he was being honest and, and saying where he, what was true. And Herodias, clearly, Herodias and Herod looked at it as being hateful, but she wasn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know what? I, it makes me think about, like, my early days of uh, salvation. I used to work at the airport, and I had, like, I don't know what it was, but the people that I worked with, a lot of them was from from um, that community. And I had just became a Christian, so I didn't, it didn't matter. Like, yeah, for like, for me, like, it was like, I just made friends. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I just made friends. And it shouldn't, like, we should. Right, right. Yeah. But but what was in me as a Christian came out. Yeah. And even though I didn't judge them, like one in particular, I wasn't judging him. We used to, like, have lunch every day, but I'll be talking about God. It was yeah. So crazy. Like, I would be talking about God, really talking to him, 
like he was a Christian. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I didn't know no better. Anyway, but it was times when he would feel convicted, even though I hadn't judged him or whatever. And But I was at the same time praying for his salvation. And I remember one time his 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 guy came through the airport and I had been hearing about him. And I saw him and I hugged him when I embraced him. And he was like, like he was so shocked that a Christian embraced him like that. And I didn't understand like what was going on because I didn't understand how the church had had um Reject. rejected him yeah. and treated him bad. I didn't know. Like I just knew that this this was a a soul. Like this is this is God's child. This is a soul. And I just wanted him to feel loved and embraced. And I was like, he was just like, look. And then he he softened up to hug me back. But I just, I don't know. Like, I, I don't even know what I'm trying to say right here. You know, I feel like there's a lot of that you just said in that of like, you, you, you were still in relationship yeah. with him, but you were unapologetic about who right. you follow in, in, in the truth of Jesus. Right. And he clearly still kept having lunch with and you. It was so funny because he was like, once and he was like, we was talking and I was talking about Jesus. So he was like, don't judge me because I'm not married to Christ yet. I was like, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and, and it'd be interesting to see like where he's at. Uh -huh. Yeah. So I don't know. Clearly we're digging deeper into this sermon. Um, but I think that was definitely one of those. I felt like it would be inauthentic of me to to not be honest yeah. about the correlation of John the Baptist standing up for marriage yeah. and like feeling that exact challenge and conviction. So one more thing, like what I do feel is that they lack a lot of lack. Even us as Christians, we don't know God's love. Yeah. They not that. And if they could just feel that from us as Christians, that will help them to to be able to even open their mind to hear the gospel. And I think that there are so many Christians who have come out of that lifestyle yeah. and may feel afraid to even share their testimony mm -hmm. because how the church may respond to them, how society will respond. So anyway, obviously there's a lot to be said yeah. about that. Um, we, so one of the things that he said uh, was what we learned, because he said, um, living in the public square, your home, your extended family, and your neighborhood and culture around you. So what we learn from John the Baptist and his stand for the ways of the kingdom and the truth of God's word is that standing for righteousness in the public square square will cost you um can you read matthew chapter 10 verse 34 and 39 yeah do not think that i have come to bring peace to the earth i have not come to bring peace but a sword for i have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and the person's enemies will be those of his own household Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life 
for my sake will find it. Yeah, and there's the words of Jesus. So I went into, oh, really quick. It says, if you are going to serve Christ faithfully, you will always have enemies, experience criticism, or suffer for what is right. So Angie, can you share a time where you stood for Christ and it cost you? When I first, when God started saying me, whoo, even though it was like people in my family that was in church, but when God said me, I remember praying that my life would be different from the examples that I see of Christians because I knew like, and I knew by the spirit of God that there was a better way. There was a, a way of righteousness to walk in. And so I remember, I'm not gonna say who, but I just remember this person um, being, you know, just really being mean to me because of what I believe. And this person was very, very close to me. They deceased now, but I was very close to this person. And now it really hurt to be rejected for what I sort of what I believe now. I mean, and that was huge. Like my whole, it was like my whole family. People that I know was in church every Sunday was like rejecting me. Like, I don't know what type of church you go to because they was doing everything else. And I was like, like in second Timothy. Right. Like, I was like, I'm saying, I don't think that's right. I don't, you know, I, I stopped smoking weed, you know, and I was smoking weed with them, you know, on a Saturday night, going to church on a Sunday morning. Yeah. You know, but I had stopped doing all of that. And that was an issue. Like, so um, that was huge for me. What about you? Well, I just, when you were talking, I'm like, man, there's like stages. Well, definitely when I became a believer, I was mm -hmm. like, I'm not going to have sex anymore. <laughs> so there was like, a, there was like a line that I drew in the sand of things that I wasn't going to do. Yeah. And people thought that I was being so righteous and holier than thou and everything. So I definitely, because I became a Christian in high school, lost friends because of that. And I even stopped running track my senior year, the second half. I didn't run um, spring track because I wanted to go to Bible study. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I remember the Lord being like, you can say no. And honestly, people being upset with me about it. And wow. my coach, who was my English teacher, being he owed with me. Um, and then I think about even in my early 20s of um, still trying to, I did, I've shared before on here, I slipped up even as a Christian in, in sexual sin, but even coming out of that and saying like, I will not continue on in this path. And how at that point in my life, it was the, so before it was like the non-Christians, when I first got saved were like, girl, bye. You acting like you're too good. Then it was at the point where it was like the Christians who had grown up in the church were like, girl, you be an extra. It's like, no, I'm just trying to walk in in this, y'all. Like, I'm trying to be more like Jesus. Um, and then I think like in this season of my life, in my later 30s, um, the cost that is, is that I'm paying because so many people in my life have deconstructed and so many people have literally walked away from the faith. And some people don't want to stay in relationship with me because of what I, because I'm just simply like, hey, I love you. I don't think what you're doing is the right way. Mm -hmm. I'll still be in relationship with you. I noticed like people didn't want to be in relationship with me. And that mm -hmm. was hard. So I think the cost 
that I'm paying currently is is a relational cause of um, losing friends and or just having people think that I'm being hateful or uh, unloving because I'm simply saying like I'm standing on the word of God. Yeah, and. I, I was going to say it's lonely, but I don't think it's lonely because the more than I lean into Jesus, I'm realizing like he is enough. Like, even as I'm saying this, I had like an issue with the Lord earlier where I'm like, I don't trust you, but at the end of the day, like, I, he is enough. Like, mm-hmm. even in the areas that I struggle to trust him in, he is enough. And I just, I want to live a life where when the persecution has, starts ramping up. Yeah. Not if, but when. I want to be able to resist that. Like I was um, listening to someone and they were talking about, I forgot the context, but they were talking about, you know, endurance. And when you prepare yourself, like when you go to the gym, when you start, there's certain habits that you develop over time that carry you through a a later season. You know, you don't don't just become a prayer warrior overnight. That takes diligence and time and knowing God's voice. You don't just, um, for instance, the Navy SEALs, people in the military, they don't, they're not, the when they first enter their training, they're not at the same level as they are after a year or two or even five years yeah, yeah. in the military. They're stronger yeah. and they're able to enter into a war setting that may still be difficult, but they're better prepared for. So I feel like for me, I'm just like, how do I develop myself now to be able to be steadfast and immovable always abounding in the work of the lord what does that look like and if i can't sit here and deal with somebody like if i can't to be honest it's like if i if i can't handle the comment section on youtube or someone if i can't deal with the criticism then i'm probably not going to be able to to really say yes i believe in jesus still when somebody is ready to behead me or take a machete to me or like um like Agnes or um, Sergi and and um, Ishmael and Ishmael, like how am I going to be able to withstand those things and persevere and still walk with the Lord if I can't handle with our cush cush American cancel culture? Oh. You know, oh, wow. <sighs> so let's go to our second point. When we experience suffering, we will be tempted to doubt Jesus. Angie, can you read Matthew 11, verse 2 and 2 through 11? <laughs> okay. Now, when John, heard, when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent words by his disciples, and he said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered him, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them and blessed is the one who is not offended by me as they went away jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning john what did you go out into the wilderness to see a reed shaken by the wind what then did you go out to see a man dressed in soft clothing Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, 
This is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. One greater, wait, sorry. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Yeah. So he talked about apparently at some point in John the Baptist's incarceration, he had doubts and a crisis of faith. And he said a crisis of faith is when um, the root and foundation of what we believe in is now in question. And he, he said, we're tempted to have a crisis of faith when what we see doesn't align with <laughs> what we know to be true. Yeah. And the doubt comes, is he defined doubt as seeing God as insufficient to meet our needs. And um, doubt occurs when our expectations are not met. And he said, there's a temptation to doubt God when he doesn't meet your expectations. And he also said that at some point, every Christian will experience this. Mm -hmm. So how have you experienced um, that moment of crisis of faith where what you knew about God to be true wasn't aligned with what you saw? Well, I, what comes to mind is... Uh, is like, okay, so when I first, when God first saved me, I was kind of in that prosperity, word of faith type of thing. And, you know, uh, healing and deliverance and all that stuff. So when I got sick, that was like, for me, mm. that was huge because here I am confessing all these scriptures over my life, but not understanding that we all suffer. Because yeah. the rain's on the just and on just, you know, but not even like understanding the word, but just like so on that, like being disappointed with God because I was constantly saying, by his strikes, I'm healed and I'm not even healed because I was, first of all, using that scripture wrong. Fine. say was out of context. But, but that, that's not why, like God, God, you know, he, I didn't understand that he had a plan and a purpose for, for my life. So I really needed to get under uh, a word, the the word of God, the totality of God's word and not just a scripture here and a scripture there. So I think that was my time of a crisis of faith. Like I questioned God, like, why am I, like, I'm your servant. Why am I so sick? And I was sick, sick. Like I wasn't like, you know, a little bit sick, a little bit coughing or whatever, like, I thought I was going to die. So it was really like, man, you finna take me out like this? Well, this this house all in it? Yeah. And I know that's how how John the Baptist felt. Like, for real? Clearly, because he was, like, sending his disciples to say, if you're the one, <laughs> let me know or she will look for another. Right. And so that was, like, that was my crisis of faith. But I just, I just thank God for Sunday, for the word, for hearing. Because sometimes it's good to hear how people in the word, like um, these heroes of faith, struggle, struggle. That they struggle it. We always feel like so guilty when we struggle with doubt and unbelief. When John the Baptist, who knew his calling? He knew it. He was prophesied. Doubt it. And he and the thing about John the Baptist, we talk about it, he was a straight G. He was not a chump. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like he was a Gideon, he developed into a mighty man of valor. 
John seemed like he just came with the fire out the womb. Like, yes. Like, man. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I think for me, my crisis of faith came when we were planting this church um, because I had some personal things happening that made me question the church mm. in a way that I had never experienced before. And it was like, it disoriented me. Um, I, we had to deal with a lot of stuff with um, John's parole and all of that. And then I felt very strongly that God wanted me to try to have another child. And I didn't. And I had a whole argument with God about it. And I'm like, fine, I just don't want to plant in, like, plant in the church and having a baby. And I got pregnant right away. But then when I got pregnant, the doctors were like, um, they did the ultrasound really early for me. And they said, it looks like you're, you have an ectopic pregnancy and we're not going to be able to tell until the baby just grows. Yeah. And I remember feeling disoriented about, now it's like beyond the church, but disoriented about God. And knowing that he was sovereign, knowing that he's the giver of life, knowing that he called us to plant the church, but not understanding why he was allowing such hardship and suffering and not understanding why he would say have a child and then I was faced with losing my child yeah. and you know for me my story I was able to deliver Judah but there's a lot of parents that deliver a stillborn mm -hmm. um or don't so for me that was definitely like um I had a lot of doubt not I don't know I feel like for me it was never like I'm <laughs> boosting on you Jesus it was just like I, I know that you're real but stuff ain't lining up and I don't know how to draw near to you in this. I don't know how to trust you in this. I think, you know, too, I was just thinking about lamenting. I didn't really learn how to lament until I until I until I heard Pastor John preach on it. Like learn how to sit in the the hurt. Learn how to sit in the even sit like we we the struggle sometimes and the tension is the joy and the pain. Yeah, sit joy. in the pain, in the joy that still having joy but sitting in the pain as well. Yeah, you know which is uh weird, but and I think like when you were talking, Angie, the thing that is so amazing about the Word of God and why God allows certain things is like God allowed the story of John the Baptist to be told, including. John sending his disciples saying like are you the one mm -hmm. yeah yeah like are you the one which opens us up to say are you the one like are you are you really the one should I be looking for something else ah. and wow. I just like in that moment realized like that is the permission that is the permission that we have to question to doubt to yeah lament in that mm -hmm. because it's real mm -hmm. and even christ even he was like can this cup pass for me so 
And just like with this message, I know when Pastor John started, he said suffering and and I would add lamenting is something we just don't talk about in this country. Like as it's not comfortable. Like who wants to <laughs> who wants to feel all those things? Yeah. And but I want to point out that um really quick, he said John Christ is a faith. John has spent his entire ministry preparing people to meet Jesus. He preached a message of repentance and said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And he baptized Jesus and heard God the Father speaking from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And he he questions Jesus. Um, and then he talked about when, when God doesn't meet our expectations or operate in a way that makes sense to us, we're tempted to question his character. What part of of God's character have you questioned? Um, I, I don't know. That's something that I've never really thought about. You answer it first and then I'll. I think that, like, speaking of the crisis of faith that I went through was his goodness. Mm. I was just like, where is your goodness? Where is, where is um, the fullness of joy? <laughs> like, because I'm not feeling it right now. Like, where, where is your goodness and everything that's just falling apart right now? Mm. Everywhere that I turn, because that's what it was. It was legitimately everywhere that I turned. There was nothing that looked good. I can look back and see his goodness. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to be honest. Planting the church didn't seem like a good thing to me in that season. Like, in that moment. I knew it was the right thing, but if you had asked me, is this a good thing? I would have been like, I don't know right now. Just hearing you say that, I think for me too, like the, what I talked about with the Hebrew, I think I questioned his his goodness as well. But then I'm thinking about like with my current situation right now, I had I was questioning God's protection. Oh, like, like yeah. I was questioning his protection, but then this is why it's so it's so critical to abide and 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 really be in the word because even on this week, you know, I was reminded that God's protection is not like the world's protection. Yeah. It's not like it's not like oh, uh, somebody's shooting and you and you you're not gonna get shot because yeah, but it is Christian. They get shot. It is Christians that are on the airplane and they crash, right? What was God's protection then? God's protection is what I'm learning is in his presence. Mm. Him being there in the midst of it. Of the situation. So so even I, my body still still needs to be completely healed. And I'm trusting God for that. But in the midst of it, the stuff I'm learning, mm. in the midst of it, the fellowship of his suffering Whoa. it's a fellowship yeah it's not uh it's it's a fellowship it's a fellowship it's, we 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 in this thing together and i'm thinking about matthew 11 what is it what is it 28 through 31 take my yoke mm -hmm. i don't even know what how, what is the scripture matthew 11 says um come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right. And so it's so receiving his yoke, receiving his yoke in the midst of still having pain, still having to go to the doctor, receiving his yoke. It is easy. It's easier because I could still see his goodness. I could still see how he used me at that hospital. Yeah. Like I could still see his hand in my life. Yeah. In the midst of it. Yeah. I don't know why, but this is the life that God has chosen for me in this season. In this season. That's yeah. it. That's just it. You know, when thinking about that scripture, it um some versions when it says like take my yoke it's just like learn from me mm-hmm. like there's a teaching okay. that in that surrender that we receive yeah um i want to say one other thing and then we're going to jump so he also mentioned he focused on jesus response and said blessed is the one who is not offended by me um and he talks about that word offended is the idea of um to 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 fall away to cut off mm-hmm. and jesus responded by saying blessed are those who are aren't offended by um, me and cut me off and even though john's response is like are you the one jesus response was to publicly affirm john to say like there what is it it was like no greater prophet like i don't know if that was what the scripture said go back and read it but i thought that that was really comforting of like even in our doubts there's Christ who still loves and affirms us. Like, even though we don't deserve it, he still loves and affirms. So then the last point said, the cross we carry may be the cross we die upon. Can you read Mark chapter 21 through 29? Uh, uh, Mark 6, 21. Yeah, I'm sorry. This okay. But uh, an opportunity came when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. Pastor John was like, that's a whole nother message. It's a whole (laughs) nother message. And the king said to the girl, ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. And he bowed to her, whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. Good, good, good. That's a whole nother (laughs) sermon. Oh, so much to say about that. <laughs> and she went out That's and like so wicked. <laughs> that is, oh gosh. You gotta take a little joint. Oh, for a moment. She went out and said to her mother, the one who had a grudge against John, for what shall should I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to get me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in prison. And brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. And his disciples heard of it. They came and took his body and laid it in the tomb. 
You know what? This just hit me. When you were reading that passage, I saw the contrast of John the Baptist stood uh, for what was right. He dies, but then Herod knows what he's like. I don't. I sh like you can see the tension of not wanting to kill. Yeah, John the Baptist, but he does it out of fear. Like he he won't even stand, and you could tell why he won't stand because he married his brother's wife. He has his niece entertaining. We don't need to even go into that of she's entertaining all like it's just such wickedness right there. Um, so he talked about like <laughs> he John the Baptist is in this cell uh, prison uh, area and he he did this rhetorical question of like what would you be doing praying and asking God for deliverance yet that's not what's happening and he uh -huh. is approached and knows that he's going to die and he's beheaded and he says what do you do when God says no to your deliverance when you're in the darkest hour of need what have you done when God said no to you in your darkest hour of need? Uh, I think I can I can go back to uh to my health. Just like Mike Mike always make the he always make this joke that when when I first got sick, our date nights was in the hospital. Oh like it was always in it was but in that season we got like we got closer. Yeah. And that and like it it was always something good. Mm -hmm. that, but what I did was I just surrendered. Like, yeah. okay. Like, I mean, it was to a point one time I surrendered. I was like, okay, I'm okay. I'm gonna die. So I'm about to just witness to everybody. Everybody gonna know about Jesus. Everybody gonna know about Jesus. Like talk like talking to God, uh, to uh, talking about God to like people in a hospital, it did not matter. Like, so I think I just at some point, it was like a it was like a progression. At some point, I just like accepted it, and then all of a sudden, I started to get better. Mm -hmm. I started to get better over the time, but yeah, and that was over some years. Wow, yeah. I got you. I think for me, it's it's like you said that surrender of just like. I, even though I was mad at God, y'all, I did a lot of journaling. I was I was mad by having real honest conversations with him during that time. So I think when he said no, the lament. Yeah, lament. I think back on that time, I was, I would cry or anyway, but it was just like a lot of lamenting. A lot of like, I can't believe like this is happening. Like I remember particularly the day of getting off the phone with my doctor when I found out that it, I could be having an ectopic pregnancy and journaling and being like, all right, this sucks. But if you're going to take my baby, let your will be done. And that was like, I was sobbing. Like that was so hard for me to, to be like, let your will be done. Let it be done. And you know what? It, it makes me think about I had a topic pregnancy with Mike. And uh, you know, Mike, he doesn't he doesn't have any biological children. And that was really hard. Yeah. So I know like I know like what it feels like to 
to to be in that spot and they tell you that and for me it was it was it was real it was real it was yeah. real and i man i really we had to we had to get some help because of that's that's how much it affected me but i think in that season that was still like the sickness it was the sickness season mm-hmm. so that was a lot it was a lot even the doctors was like you know you gotta they was trying to tell me that i needed to get rid of it because of the medication and i was like i'll stop taking the medication for nine months i wanted my baby yeah but it didn't did happen so. yeah it is and it's like he mentioned job mm-hmm. and how you know we read job as like the source of encouragement and yeah job got his wealth back and his kids but pastor john was like he didn't get his original kids back you know and i think that that's true that's well it is valid um there are losses that we have in the christian faith like when you think about sergi when we think about agnes when you think about um ishmael that's loss like yeah there's joy but like agnes surviving a machete attack She's never going to forget that. Now, you know, like, so there are some things that are just, um, and we're going to transition to close. He said, I cannot say specifically how the Lord gets glory and works things for good when his people suffer unjustly for the sake of his name and his kingdom. But I can show you what the word says. He says, no one suffers for Christ and is ever forgotten. And those who persecute people of God will not get away. Vengeance is his. We're going to just close out and read the three verses. I'll read the first one. Okay. We can read the next one. And we're just, um, and you'll read the last one. Then we'll just pray. Okay. I feel like it's okay that this, this, um, digging deeper is like somber at the end. Mm -hmm. Like I felt hopeful, but it's also like, me personally for what I'm dealing with today that y'all don't know about it's it's like it's okay yeah it's okay to to be upset it's okay to to doubt it's okay to not understand but we pray that the scriptures that we're about to read comfort you um go ahead Angie Hebrews 11, 24 through 27. By faith, when he was he was grown up, um, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, chosen rather to, to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasure of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of afraid of the anger of a king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Well, that was about Moses. And Hebrews 11, 35 and 38 says, women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and Mm. flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn and chewed. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, 
of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us warm with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from, from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Can you close this out? Yeah, so God, we just thank you. Um, for this digging deeper we thank you for um these words uh this word that is found in hebrews lord and i do pray as we as we have heard about the faith of moses and um the 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 other people who did not they believed and they didn't even really see the promise lord and so god i pray hebrews 12 1 and 3 over our lives that since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses those those are things that you have shown us in your work and even like even hearing about ishmael hearing about agnes lord hearing about those those others lord that were that are being persecuted on today father god even hearing about those things father give us the courage to lay aside every weight, lay aside the weights of this world, the the distractions, God, the, the things that will try to just try to keep us distracted and not seeking you and not being that light or being the light of the world or the salt of this this earth. And the sin which clings so closely. Father, let us truly run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the author and a perfecter of our faith. So I pray, oh God, that even as even as suffering come, because God, if we live in this world, we know that suffering is gonna come. Even as suffering come, help us to look to you, not to the left, not to the right, but look unto you. Help us to find our hope in you, oh God. Father, help us to trust you with all of our hearts. Let, Lord, help us to to bring these things before you help us father god to abide in you that we may hear your voice lord god so that when doubt and, and unbelief tries to rise uh lift this ugly head god we will push it down with thus said the lord god i'm reminded of matthew 4 when you were in when you were in the desert lord god and you were fasting and the enemy came you spoke your word so father help us to be encouraged by speaking your word that by declaring your word by believing it and walking in it even in the midst of suffering but god thank you for the reminder of uh, of john the baptist and showing us that even though he was strong he was a strong man of god father he did have a day when he doubted he did have a time of suffering when he doubted God. And so God let us know that it is all right. It is all right that we don't have to feel condemned by the enemy or condemned by the world because of our unbeliefs, God. 
We believe, but help our unbelief. We pray that as a man prayed for his son, we pray that God, because it is real, God. It is real, Father. And God, we thank you. We thank you for moving in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Chicago West, remember, you are loved.